Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. All of the latest J2 and J3 news is coming your way very shortly, as usual. I'm John Steele, hosting part one this week, but in terms of J2 news, it's a bit of a stranger episode because uh, there wasn't a full round of J2 action over the 14th and the 15th of October. There was a kind of rest weekend uh, in the schedule, which we uh, James and I still haven't got to the bottom of why that is, but um, we, we won't look a gift horse in the mouth and we, we'll recover and rest. Uh, before the the kind of promotion and relegation running returns next weekend there were two j2 games played over the weekend though both on saturday october the 14th these were rearranged games games that had been postponed earlier in the season uh, that finally uh, you know there was a chance to get them get them played so i'll run you through those games uh, now first of all uh, up in akita Machida Zelvia have moved to the brink of automatic promotion to J1 after a hard-fought win. The final score at Soyuz Stadium was Akita 1, Machida 2. Machida made a great start here, scoring in the 11th minute when a corner put Akita under some pressure. Akita's Hiroto Moroka tried to hook the ball clear, but it actually ricocheted off his uh, fellow defender Tatsushi Koyanagi and dropped perfectly for Shunta Araki, a Machida winger. Araki uh, wasn't offside because an Akita defender had had the last touch and he scored with ease from close range so Machida 1-0 up early on. Akita rolled up their sleeves though and they leveled things up in the 41st minute when a free kick from out wide on the left from Junkie Hata was delivered low to the near post for Ryuji Saito who got ahead of his marker to volley into the net from about six yards. So it looked like it was going to be 1-1 at half time but in first half stoppage time Machida restored their lead with a super goal Another corner was this time cleared to the edge of Akita's penalty area where Hokuto Shimoda was waiting and he took the ball full on the volley, sending a right-footed missile past Kentaro Kakoi and into the back of the Akita net for 2-1. There were no more goals in the second half but there were some good chances. Machida nearly made it 3-1 from a free kick out wide on their right flank with the ball eventually hitting the crossbar and being cleared. At the other end, Machida keeper William Pop had to make a smart save from a Takashi Kawano header and then late on a left-footed volley from Shota Aoki came back off the Machida post. So you sensed that it was going to be Machida's day and not Akita's and that's how it proved. It finished Akita 1, Machida 2. That leaves Machida 10 points clear of third place with four games only left to play. So surely promotion beckons for them. They could seal it uh, next weekend. Akita are in 13th, 11 points clear of the relegation zone, so not mathematically safe, but surely uh, they can uh, relax now and start planning for, for life in J2 again next year. In the weekend's only other J2 match, it finished Fujieda 5, Gunma 1. Fujieda all but sealing their spot in J2 for next season and dealing a potentially fatal blow to Gunma's slim playoff hopes as well. In this game, Fujieda signalled their intent early on, with in-form striker Ken Yamura hitting the outside of the post with a half volley from about 18 yards. That came in the 14th minute, and it was 1-0 to the home side midway through the first half after some intricate passing between their front three saw Anderson feed Yamura, who then teed up Akiyuki Yokoyama to score from the edge of the six-yard box. Gunmo were appealing for offside, but, but the goal stood, so at Fujieda 1-0 up midway through the first half, the crucial second goal for the home side came from the penalty spot nine minutes into the second period when Anderson, racing onto a through ball, was brought down by Kushibiki for a penalty and despite some pretty elite level time wasting and disruption from Gunma, Anderson uh, was eventually allowed to take the spot kick himself and he scored to make it 2-0. 
Another defensive error allowed Fujieda to make it three in the 70th minute. This time, Gunma centre-back Daiki Nakashio made a mess of heading a bouncing ball back to Kushibiki. And then from the edge of the penalty area, substitute Kazaki Nakagawa thumped a volley over the keeper, who was by now in no man's land, and into the back of the net via the crossbar. So Fujieda 3-0 up and cruising as the game entered stoppage time. Gunma did pull a goal back late on, Hiroto Hatao, with a header that went in via a deflection off a defender at a Gunma corner. But that just seemed to annoy Fujieda and Yamura in particular because they added two more goals, both scored by him before full time. First of all, Nakagawa slipped a through ball to Yamura inside the penalty area and he was able to poke the ball past Kushibiki first time from about 10 yards for 4-1. And then finally, a ball down Fujieda's left-hand channel found Yamura close to the Gunma penalty area and he cut inside his marker and showed supreme confidence to clip a high ball over Kushibiki and into the empty net from about 20 yards. And Kushibiki, uh, yes, not for the first time in this game, was, uh, yeah, you've guessed it, in no man's land. So it finished Fujieda 5, Gunma 1 on Saturday evening. That's a result that leaves Fujieda 12th and a full 12 points clear of the relegation zone uh, with four games left, so surely they'll be safe and look forward to enjoying J2 again next year. Meanwhile, Gunma are in 10th. They're four points uh, adrift of the playoff zone, four points adrift of sixth place Nagasaki, but they do seem to have run out of steam at this point. Uh, No wins in any of their last five matches. Okay, I think that's all of the on-field J2 action uh, taken care of from a very light uh, weekend schedule. Before I hand you over to Mike Innes for all the J3 news in JTalk Short Corner, let's look ahead to a full round of J2 games which is coming up uh, next weekend, round 39 of the season. We start with a Friday night match on the 20th of October and that'll be at 7pm at the JIT Recycling Stadium. It's a big one. It's Kofu against Nagasaki. 7th hosting 6th. They're a huge game in the uh, the playoff tussle at the top of the table. Kofu, of course, are bringing this game forward to Friday night to give them extra preparation time for the, the Asian Champions League games the following midweek. So it'll be interesting to see how Kofu manage their squad rotation for this game. But yes, Kofu against Nagasaki is on Friday night. Just one game on Saturday, October the 21st, and it comes at 1pm. It's Iwaki hosting Shimizu, so second place Shimizu visits 17th place Iwaki. A win for Shimizu there again moves them ever closer to an automatic promotion. The rest of the J2 games in round 39 are all coming up on Sunday. October the 22nd, there's a fairly unusual start at 12.30, not not a kickoff time that we see very often, but that's Yamaguchi hosting Okayama, so 20th place Yamaguchi, obviously in desperate need of points, Okayama in 9th will also need uh, points to kind of uh, keep the pressure on the top 6 and keep their playoff hopes alive. There's a single game at 1pm, it's Kumamoto against Machida, so first place Machida visit Kumamoto, and uh, depending on this result and, and results elsewhere, Machida might be able to celebrate promotion uh, after this game, of course. The remaining seven games from round 39 are all at 2pm on Sunday, so I'll run through those now. It's Akita against Sendai, so 13th against 16th in uh, something of a Tohoku derby. Mito against Gunma, so Kito Kanto derby, that's 14th against 10th. Tochigi in 19th and still looking nervously over their shoulders at the relegation zone. They host 11th placed Oita, who might still have uh, designs on a playoff place if they can get some wins together. 
At Ajinomoto Stadium, it's Tokyo Verdi against Jeff Chiba. Another big game at the top of the table, third against fifth. So if either side can pick up three points there, you know, it moves it. Well, it would move Verdi closer to the automatic promotion places and, and really kind of confirm Jeff's uh, top six finish uh, if they can get the three points. Another team in dire need of a win, Zweigen Kanazawa at the bottom. They host Yamagata, that's 22nd against 8th. Omiya still clinging to some survival hopes in 21st. They go away to Fujieda, so 12th against 21st uh, is on the slate. And finally, Tokushima against Iwata. So 4th placed Iwata, obviously still hoping to snatch an automatic promotion place. They'll need to pick up all three points away at 15th place Tokushima to help them uh, in that mission. So a very exciting round of games that uh, looks like it's coming up next weekend. Um, I think James and I, or, or possibly a guest, if we can we can rustle someone up, we'll be back to, to cover some of the key talking points from uh, that round next week. But for now, that's all from J2 for this week. Uh, it feels a bit strange to be finishing after 10 minutes instead of 100, but uh, yeah, there you go. That That's the J-League schedule for you. But um, yeah, please stay tuned because as always, uh, you're going to hear from Magic Mike Innes in a moment in J Talk Short Corner. He has all the J3 latest for you in that section of the pod thanks as always for listening and downloading the show and a big thanks especially to j talk podcast uh, patrons we really appreciate the support on patreon uh, of course so yeah i hope you enjoyed this uh, mini j2 uh, review for this week but yeah please hang around because magic mike innes uh, will be with you in a moment Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 31 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 32 matches coming up this weekend. Yes, we're getting into the closing straight There were two games on Saturday the 14th. Both ended in draws, more quality and more goals on display at the Kitakami Stadium, where Iwate Guruja Morioka played host to FC Ryukyu. Ryukyu's Takeyuki Fukumura continued his recent run of form when in the 14th minute he latched onto a well-judged through pass from Kosei Okazawa, outran Ryoma Ishida to cut into the area and score at the near post. The visitors could have gone 2-0 up before half-time, but the ball hit a bump in the pitch just as Shou Hiramatsu was about to shoot and the chance went begging. That enabled Iwate to pull level seven minutes after the restart, Toi Kagami receiving the pass from Masakazu Tashiro and with a delicious back heel setting up Lee Yongjik to fire in an angled shot from 15 yards. A first goal in a white shirt for Lee and against his old club. That put the paper cranes on the offensive, but despite a number of chances, they couldn't find the net. And in the 65th minute, Ryukyu went back in front. Hinamatsu delivering an outswinging corner. Makito Uehara winning the header. Mu Kanazaki scrambling it over the line. His first league goal for the club. But Guruja produced another top-draw goal to equalise three minutes from time. Atsutaka Nakamura dinking it into the box for Koki Matsubara, who chested the ball down and laid it off for Ren Fujimura to lash in a screamer from 30 yards. 
Substitute Kelvin hit the bar in the closing moments as the away side attempted to take the lead for the third time. Final score though, Iwate 2, Ryukyu 2. Both teams showing signs of improvement following recent changes of coach. Tetsuji Nakamigawa's Guruja 11th, Kim Jong Song's Ryukyu 17th. And at Loto Field, Nana Club took on Fukushima United. The visitors almost took an early lead only for homekeeper Shinji Okada to produce a great save from Kota Mori's close-range shot. Luckily, we can fast forward from here straight through to the 71st minute, which, after a long spell of inaccurate finishing at both ends, is when Fukushima went in front, Shoki Nagano getting his toe to Tomohiko Miyazaki's near-post corner and deflecting it in. The the game's business was duly wrapped up when Nana drew level three minutes later. Tatsuma Sakai left in space to receive Hayato Asakawa's pass and slot it beyond Kaito Yamamoto. Final score, Nana won, Fukushima won. Some fans feared Julian Manin Bazalo's home side might run out of steam in the second half of the season, and that is what seems to be happening. One win in six, and they're now ninth. The same assessment is arguably true of Mitsumasa Yoda's Fukushima, their 14th. Eight games then on Sunday the 15th, and leaders Ehime FC scrambled a late, late win in their home game against bottom side Giravance Kitakushu. The stuttering Mighty Mikans came into the match with only one point from their previous three outings and needed the victory to get their march to J2 back on track. They almost opened the scoring when Reiya Morishita deflected a volley from teammate Takuto Kimura against the post on 14 minutes. But that aside, there was little goalmouth action. Ehime were off target, Kitakushu barely registered as an attacking force in the game. On the hour, the home side thought they had a penalty when Riki Matsuda was brought down by Takeya Inui, only for referee Hinomichi Oka to award the kick and then change his mind after consultation with his assistant. The game hinged on the 84th minute dismissal of Giravance defender Takeaki Homura, shown a second yellow following a seemingly accidental clash of heads with Yutaka Soneda, possibly not a decision of a referee Oka that stands up to too much scrutiny. Sure enough, in injury time, Ehime's Shunsuke Motegi swung in a free kick, Ryota Moriwaki glanced it on, and Shunpei Fukahori, unmarked at the far post, chested it down and volleyed it beyond Kenshin Yoshimaru. Final score, Ehime won Kitakyushu nil, a disjointed performance at best from the men in orange, but they take the win and extend their lead to seven points. Giravance may feel things go against you when you're bottom of the table, and while that may be true, they didn't do enough to get anything from the game. If Ehime were able to scrap out the win, how about the teams closest to them in the table? FC Imabari, Katare Toyama and Inform Kagoshima United. In this most J3 of weeks, 
all of them managed to lose. Kagoshima at Vanarani Hachinohe, where the home side welcomed back into their lineup former smoking volcanoes keeper Shogo Onishi following five months out injured. Ornishi played his part in the opening goal midway through the first half. A long clearance upfield headed on by Aoi Sato for Sunday Oriola, who outfought Issei Tone, raced into the penalty area and crashed his shot past Ryota Izumori. And there are not many J3 strikers who can score goals like that. Kagoshima's attack were wasteful in this one and they paid the price on the hour, the home side going two ahead when Shintaro Kato rose at the near post to head in a corner. The visitors did pull one back nine minutes from time, Shunsuke Yamamoto with his first of the season, turning and sending a low shot squirming inside the post following a corner kick from Hiroya Nodake. Final score, Hachinohe 2, Kagoshima 1. A first win in six for Van Rane, for whom Oriola scored in consecutive matches, although they stay 12th. For Kagoshima, their poorest performance under Yasuaki Oshima seemed to come from nowhere, but they remain second thanks to a shock home defeat for Katane Toyama at the hands of Azul Claro Numazu. Katane fell behind on 20 minutes, Kyotamochi's shot from the edge of the area, picking up a deflection off defender Shosaku Yasumitsu, which took it past Tomoki Tagawa. But the home side pulled level six minutes later, Mateus Leiria curling in a free kick for his second goal of the season. From then on, it was mostly Toyama attack against Numazu defence. Hiroya Sueki hammering a 20-yard shot against the bar, Yohei Ono and Daichi Matsuoka both drawing saves from the typically impressive Hiromu Musha. And three minutes into injury time, in a rare excursion up the other end of the pitch, Azul Klano's Tatsuya Anzai set up a shot for Takuya Sugai that was parried by Tagawa only for Kenshiro Suzuki to fire in the rebound. Final score, Toyama 1, Numazu 2. Katane would have gone second if they'd won this, but now they need to bounce back from what must count as a gut-wrenching loss. They stay third. An absolute smash and grab by Azul Claro. Somehow they break their three-game losing streak and jump back up to eighth. Which brings us to FC Imabari, who last week recorded what I described here as perhaps their best result of the season, but this week lost at home to YSCC Yokohama. As with Toyama, Imabari may wonder how they failed to win this one. The corner count, for example, was 13-1 to in their favour. But after Toyofumi Sakano had drawn a sharp save from visiting keeper Jun Kodama, YSCC stole the lead on 29 minutes. Takahiro Nakazato launching a long ball into the box. Jorn Pedersen doing a brilliant job to win the header. Koki Matsumura hooking it in from eight yards. And 11 minutes later, Matsumura scored again. An opportunistic finish after Shoto Kojima's cross had been completely missed by Atsushi Kikutani with an attempted volley and bounced off defender Takafumi Yamada. Kodama in the second half produced saves from Marcus Vinicius, Kanta Chiba, 
Kordai Dohi and Hikaru Anai as the home side tried to get a foot in the game to no avail. Final score, Imabari nil, YSCC 2. A classic example of the kind of inconsistency dogging so many teams in J3 this season, although luckily for Imabari, they hold on to fourth and are still only four points off the promotion places. To the surprise of many, YSCC have shown a marked improvement since Kazuki Kuranuki took over as coach at the end of August, although this win only sees them hold on to 13th. So apart from Ehime, does anyone actually want to join the promotion race? Looks like Gainare Totori do as they recovered from going a goal down and a player down to win at Kamatamare Sanuki. The opening goal came for the Noodle Boys on only six minutes. Shota Kawanish left unmarked to head in Yuto Mori's free kick. Remember Kawanish? He's on loan from Toyama and this was his first goal for Sanuki. The sending off for Gainane occurred half an hour in. Defender Korsuke Masitani given a straight red for tangling with Gentaro Yoshida as he raced through on goal. Could have been 2-0 before half-time as well, but Kaima Akahoshi put a good chance just wide. Totori moved level five minutes after the restart. Oryosuke Tamura and Keita Tanaka combining to set up Hiroto Sese who took advantage of a sleepy home defence to slide his shot inside the far post. Incidentally, Sese got married last week. No information about the bride was released, apart from Sese's remark, My wife is someone who puts me first and respects my wishes. But back to the game. Yoshida had an ambitious effort tipped over by Koshiro Itohara as Kamatamane looked to regain the advantage, while at the other end, Yusuke Imamura saved well from Ryusuke Takao's dangerous shot. But Sanuki played themselves into trouble 11 minutes from time. Taiyo Shimokawa caught in possession after a hospital pass from Takumi Nanasaka. Gainane's Yuta Togashi emerging with the ball and centering for Yusuke Yoshi to score his first J-League goal against his old club. Final score, Seneki 1, Totori 2. Kamatamari have improved their defensive capabilities as the season has progressed, but here fell back into bad habits, although they remain 16th. Gainane, unbeaten in six matches, now level on points with Imabari in fifth. 12,500 people may have been at the Shinshu derby between Matsumoto Yamaga and AC Nagano Parseiro, but the fact I'm talking about this one sixth in the list of Sunday games is indicative of it being another disappointing season for both clubs in Nagano Prefecture. The door to promotion remains open for Matsumoto after they scrambled a late win. Yamaga enjoyed the majority of possession and chances, but a poor display in front of goal meant visiting keeper Kim Minho was rarely forced into action, notwithstanding then Komatsu's effort ruled out for offside apparently incorrectly. Things did hot up in the second half. Yasufumi Nishimura having a shot deflected over the bar for Paseiro. Yamagas Kazuma Yamaguchi having a shot cleared off the line by Koki Harada. 
Former Matsumoto defender Yohei Ono similarly booted clear a goal-bound header from Komatsu. And when Kim blocked a point-blank shot from Leon Nozawa, it looked as if the Ptarmigans were going to have to settle for a point despite their dominance. But with four minutes remaining, keeper Tomohiko Murayama sent forward a long free kick. Kazuma Watanabe headed it on and Nozawa produced a composed finish to take the win. Final score, Matsumoto 1, Nagano 0. Yamaga, despite everything, are still in the hunt. Back up to six, only five points off the top two. Pasehiro continued to play out the season in 15th. That win for Matsumoto meant FC Osaka were squeezed out of the top six after being held to a home draw by FC Gifu. It was Gifu who mostly were on the front foot in this one, Ryu Kawakami glancing a header onto the bar in only the fifth minute. But Yamaga style, they too were not the best in the opposition penalty area, and Osaka punished Gifu early in the second half, Daigo Fudakawa beating Kawakami down the left and crossing for Naoki Tanaka to power in the header. Good to see the players then celebrating with the little kids behind the goal. The visitors' equaliser came with just two minutes left, Ryo Kubota swinging in the cross for veteran Junya Tanaka to head in. Final score, Osaka 1, Gifu 1. Osaka's winless run stretches to 5, and they drop down to 7th. It's all very congested in mid-table, and the draw means Gifu slip two places to 10th. Finally this week, the big six-pointer at the foot of the table between Tegevajaro Miyazaki and SC Sagamihara ended in drama. Tegevajaro snatching a late equaliser, which meant they avoided dropping below Sagamihara and into the bottom two. Miyazaki had actually gone into the lead on 18 minutes. Kazuma Nagata rising above Court Watahiki to head in Harumi Minamino's cross, but the hosts were behind by half-time. Tsubasa Ando, the two-goal hero for Sagamihara, first when he stooped low to head in a cross from Watahiki, second when he delivered a rocket of an angled shot after a touch from Daisuke Kato, and Miyazaki could have been 3-1 down if keeper Shunsuke Ueda hadn't tipped Ryo Yoshitake's well-struck shot onto the post. Ueda was the busier keeper in the second half too, blocking a header from Yuji Senema and diving to keep out Yuto Minakuchi's close-range attempt. But Tegevajano were offered a lifeline with the awarding of an 83rd-minute penalty. Kosei Makiyama adjudged to have fouled Daisuke Ishizu. The kick converted by Minamino. And 19-year-old Minamino almost grabbed an unlikely winner in injury time, but he fluffed his shot and it was cleared by Ryoji Yamashita. Final score, Miyazaki 2, Sagamihara 2. A must-not-lose game for Mitsuo Kato's Tegevajaro, and at least they didn't lose it, holding on to guaranteed safety and 18th. Kazuyuki Toda's green and blacks will view this as two points dropped, and they stay 19th. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 31. The top six are Ehime with 58 points, Kagoshima 
with 51, Toyama 49, Imabari and Totori 47, Matsumoto 46. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Nagano with 38 points, Sanuki and Ryukyu with 36, Miyazaki 34, Sagamihara 33, and bottom of the table with 24, Kitakushi. Seven games left, and with Ehime nine points clear of third-placed Toyama, it's looking likely the Mighty Mikans will secure that top-two finish and promotion. If Kagoshima can't hold on to second, it's Totori who currently appear the best option to go up alongside Ehime on the basis of their improvement since Kohei Masamoto took over as coach. That was after round 14 when Gainane were 18th. Incredible work by Masamoto and his squad. Down at the bottom, Kitakushu are showing no sign they can put together the run they need to close the nine-point gap on Sagamihara, so their chances of avoiding relegation to the JFL rest on none of the clubs with a J3 2024 licence securing a top-two JFL finish. Right now, Line Mayor Aomori are the best placed of those clubs. They're third, three points behind second-placed Sony Sendai, six games to go. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 32 fixtures this weekend when there are two games on Saturday the 21st. Leaders Ehime are looking at a tricky away match against Sagami Hana. And can Imabani bounce back as they go to Ryukyu? Eight games then on Sunday the 22nd. Kagoshima are at home to Iwate. Toyama have about the most difficult fixture they could now have away at Totori. Matsumoto make the trip to Numazu. Elsewhere, Osaka go to Nagano and fellow new boys Nana make the trip to Gifu. There's a Tohoku derby as Fukushima hosts Hachinohe. YSCC are at home to Miyazaki. Every game's a must-win game for Kitakushu, who go to Sanuki. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.